1: Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Wanted to jump in quickly and let you know about the release of the audio version of my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, narrated by David A. Knesser. If you want to support the show, you can buy it wherever audiobooks are sold. Links are also in the show notes. Also, wanted to say thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. it means the world to me that you'd spend this time with me and my guests To get better together. Now on to my guest for today, Johnny Crowder, singer of the band Prison, and founder and CEO of Cope Notes. Johnny is not your typical CEO. He was recently featured in Forbes with his shirt off, displaying all his tattoos. I'm pretty sure that's the first time a CEO has ever done that. He's also the singer of the metal rock banned prison. Cope Notes, his company, grew out of Johnny's own struggles with abuse and mental health conditions, as well as being a mental health peer mentor and advocate. He wanted to create something that would help kids like him that hang out at his metal shows. He was surprised when his creation, a text messaging program to help people rewire their brains, worked for all kinds of people. He's proof that you don't have to be a techie to have a tech startup. Johnny shares how being a musician has helped him not only better understand what the kids in his own community need, but how it's helped him connect with the people who have helped his company succeed. Ultimately, his goal is to bring the discussion of mental health out from the dark and to encourage people to take more preventative approaches to being more healthy, both mentally and physically. Now, let's get better together. Johnny Crowder, welcome to the podcast. Howdy. (laughs) Well, you know, I have had lots and lots of people on the pod But I've never had anyone quite like you, my friend, quite like you. And uh, I am just, uh, I don't even know where to begin on all the cool stuff you're working on from Cope Notes, a company that you've formed, to your band prison, which is like a metal type band or whatever you want to call it, which I'm a big metal head. So (laughs) I'm like, yeah, all right, let's go. Um, but before we get into all that sort of stuff, I'd really like to uh, understand how you got to do what you're doing today.
2: Um, I need to be a hundred percent straight up and honest. so I, I think that a lot of people want to hear the answer. Well, one day, I woke up and decided enough is enough. and i I knew that I was going to form a startup. and I, I when I hear stories like that, I'm just like, what? that's crazy. I can't imagine that. Cause here's what happened for real in my life. I grew up in an abusive household living with all sorts of diagnoses, schizophrenia, bipolar one, OCD, PTSD, you name it, I had it. And so I figured I'll become a clinician. That was my whole MO was like, why don't I just go to school for psychology? And then I'll be, you know, a therapist or a social worker. And then while I'm in college for psychology, my band gets signed. (laughs) And then I was like, well, wait a second. So I finished my, my psychology degree on tour and I get involved with peer support through NAMI or the National Alliance on Mental Illness. And then I was like, screw becoming a clinician. I don't have 10 years and a half a million bucks to do school. I'm just going to do peer support and public advocacy and music and be creative and tell stories and speak. So so when I tell you that I'm lucky and dumbfounded that I'm doing what I'm doing, it's because I didn't set out to do this. This is just the culmination of my life experience. So if you're if you have a guest that's like, you know, one day I decided, you know, I, I want to interview that person. I
1: <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've had those guests, right? I mean, the entrepreneur journey is such a varied one. Everyone's different. It's just such a thing that can, I mean, it's a big, big, big group of people, right? And all over the world, there's really not a place in the planet that doesn't have an entrepreneur or a mm-hmm. person Doesn't even matter who you are. You can this you can do this quote unquote job. And what what's really kind of fascinating about how you know you started off like oh wanting to help people doing the kind of quote unquote traditional route, and then really kind of you know what we call pivot (laughs) pivot to you know all of this great work, especially with Coke Notes, and then of course the band, uh, which again like. Haven't interviewed anyone that's been in a band on this podcast. So Heck I'm yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to that. But but I, I really want to um talk about Cope Notes, how you formed it, what it is. And the reason I want to do that is because, you know, I've talked a lot about this on the podcast. You know, when I lost my wife Jane to leukemia, which has almost been four years, I had a hard time with that. Of course, you would expect <laughs> anyone to have a hard time with yeah. that. And even though I had peers and friends, I had a therapist, all that sort of stuff, I felt extremely lonely because I had no one that had that shared experience. I had no one to kind of reach out to. And one of the things that, you know, eventually that I'm going to do in my life is I want to help other men, specifically men, deal with this grief and sorrow, especially losing a partner. And as I was looking at Coke Notes, you know, it's it's a pretty cool kind of platform. I was wondering if you could just sort of give us just an overview of what it does and how you came up with it. And, and there's some unique technology things in there that are kind of like it's a you know SaaS type platform, but it's sort of more of a low tech SaaS platform. It's just super neat, yeah. interesting, and I'd love to hear how that came about.
2: Yes. So, quick uh, disclaimer for anyone hoping to hear a dissertation from a tech maven. Uh, I am not from the tech background. I am from the, as you know, peer support, lived experience, psychology kind of background. So um, I think the reason why it's low tech, before I explain what we do, is, you know what I've noticed in tech? Like for the year, for the first year I ran Cope Notes, I didn't know it was a tech startup. So that's how out of the loop I was with this whole scene that probably all your listeners are aware of. Oh yeah, I had never oh, yeah. seen the social network. I had never watched shark tank, you know, it just like culturally <laughs> was not a, I didn't even know what any of these terms meant.
1: Right, right. And
2: so my approach to tech is never let's make it sexy and AI and, you know, let's, let's make it as high tech as possible. I think, I don't give a crap about the tech. I care about the user experience. So does this solve my problem? Do I like using it? Is it easy? Hmm. So I'm approaching mental health tech, digital mental health, not from the perspective of how many buzzwords can I throw in to make investors giggle. It's you know, I look at my younger self and I ask, what did he need that he wasn't getting? And if you haven't figured it out by now, Cope Notes provides daily mental health support via text message. So when you say low tech, you are absolutely right on the user end. All of our cool tech stuff is on the back end. So we handle that. But if you're a user, you're a cope notes user. You receive randomly timed text messages that are written by peers with lived experience and reviewed by mental health professionals that train your brain to think in healthier patterns over time. So if you've ever read about neuroplasticity or brain training, cognitive restructuring, this is that only it is so freaking easy. No (laughs) downloads, no (laughs) software (laughs) updates. You don't have to create a password. That's cool. that's it really is cool. passive. Yeah. So if yeah. you forget to use it for 39 days in a row, picture it. If it's an app and you don't log in for 39 days in a row, zero engagement. Yeah. If it's Cope Notes, if it's SMS, we are initiating engagement daily. Right. So we guarantee that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's really super interesting that you talk about neuroplasticity. Um, actually, before everything shut down, I went to a talk about a book called softwired and it actually was a book written by my now fiance who, who, which, you know, who, who had a friend, she went to, I think, grammar school with or high school. Her dad was doing all this research in, in what, what was neuroplasticity and his claim to fame <clears throat> was that he, co invented the cochlear implant which is the thing oh. with if you you know if you lose your hearing like my mom
2: they, is a is a sign language interpreter and a cart provider yes so like all exactly. my mom's friends are deaf
1: yeah yeah well it's funny because so i go see this this talk and it's at the commonwealth club great guy like super interesting thing but he realized that the brain this plasticity of the brain um actually like you can retrain it and and he found this because they were like well how are we going to teach it had a, you know, here again and this whole thing. And it turns out the brain figures it out. And to your point about, you know, uh, the deaf community, my actual really good friend of mine, who was, who's the CEO of the company that we formed, we've been at like three startups together. His dad, David, David Zawalko um, just, just died. He was like 96 And he was one of the pioneers in American sign language along with his wife. So up until maybe a year ago, they, you know, he was teaching American sign language. (laughs) Like he, he, I think he's the one that has the book, like the actual book and grammar of it. And I don't remember all the details. Right. And so kind of cool, right. That it's just these weird kind of things happening in circles and stuff, But, but it's so interesting because you're right. Um, his the the talk this you know soft wired neuroplasticity thing is so important, and even as you get older right and so I'm wondering like this i know cope knows is it primarily for like dealing with mental health issues like depression and anxiety and everything, or have you have you seen it help like older people like with with their brain function
2: we you know, setting out to start Coke Notes. Of course, my goal was how do we serve the people who are like me? So I was thinking guys with face tattoos, guys outside death metal shows, like tattoo <laughs> artists and
1: skateboarders. Right.
2: And so my focus was very niche demographic. And then slowly I would, you know, I'd meet someone at a concert and you know, the guy'd be like, yeah, I signed my mom up and she loves it. And she's like 65. And I'm like, what the heck? And then I'd meet someone else at a show and she's like, yeah, I signed up my daughter and she's 11. I'm like, wait, hold on. I, I must've gotten this completely wrong. (laughs) I've learned learned over the time that, that it is such a dynamic tool because the brain is dynamic. So Coke Mm -hmm. notes can't take all the credit. Like I say in my Ted talk, Your brain is the thing that's doing the heavy lifting. So Mm -hmm. cope notes is, is lining them up and your brain is knocking them down. So it's very much a team effort. So cope notes is as dynamic as your brain makes it, which is why I think we can serve people who live with a diagnosis or people who live without people Mm. who are dealing with um, grief, people who are dealing with loneliness uh, or addiction or just aging or isolation. Like there are so many different things that I didn't set out for cope notes to solve that it's solving tangentially just because of the nature of the brain.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah, it's totally right. I mean, so it's so, yeah, I mean, it's so powerful. I mean, you know, it, it, if you've got a family member that may have like dementia or Alzheimer's, as you know, people get older, that can happen. And one of the things that's really important is the intellectual stimulation of the brain. Like, if you don't use your brain, it'll atrophy just like every other muscle in your body, right? Mm. That's just life, right? And what's interesting is that a lot of the, you know, depression, anxiety, a lot of, you know, depending on where it's from, if it's from grief or not from grief. I mean, there's lots of studies, and of course, there's experts that are way smarter than I am, but there are factors of like depression and anxiety as you get older that just make your health worse. Like stress is just one of the probably the universal bad thing, you know? Yeah. And oh, and yeah. stress can come in lots of different forms. And so I'm just I'm just so fascinated by I mean, you know, I, I interviewed another guy. He he um he formed a company called Tembo. And Tembo was text messaging to parents how to teach their kids in like Africa, right? Because you're right, like they like they got a phone and they can text message. It does can't download apps, and mm-hmm. of course, in the developed world, we take that for granted. And then also, I don't know if you're familiar with grief coach. Grief Coach is a similar app for just grief, where it text. Oh, no,
2: that's really cool. You.
1: Yeah, it texts you. I'm actually a grief coach expert, or I don't even know what they call me, but like <laughs> I
2: write that down. I'm going to make a note of it. Yeah,
1: I, I'll, I'll also send you a link to it. But I've contributed to Grief Coach um, specifically around okay, men losing a partner, and what what's really just super. You know, it's it's this is such a problem in the world like there is not a human being that doesn't go through some sort of stress, anxiety, grief, loneliness. And yet like, we don't talk about it, you know, especially men. I mean, maybe that's changing now with millennials and whatever, but the fundamental male experience. And again, since just talking about like, you know, us two um, is extremely lonely and isolating when you're going through some things that you want to share an emotion. And I'm, I'm wondering, have, have you, have you actually like done studies on cope notes or, I mean, I'm sure like the feedback's probably awesome. I mean, I can't see it couldn't be awesome, but I mean, are you kind of like drifting into being more like doing more studies on it, the benefits, or is it just, you know, the clinicians use it and say, Hey, you know, Hey, have a client. You should definitely use this because it's going to help augment, you know, our therapy or whatever.
2: So, First of all, I want to acknowledge, I totally agree about the the loneliness of uh, going through something as a, as a guy. So full disclosure, I was sexually abused as a young adult. Um, I mean, early twenties and people look at me and they're like, well, you got a bunch of tattoos. You work out, you're in a death metal band, like tough it up. You, you know, you could have done something. And, you you know, you're not this helpless little creature. And I just remember thinking, like, there's probably no one that I can mention this to that would actually empathize with me. They'll look at me and think that I'm making it up or that I, I initiated it or I was asking for it or, you know, you make a long list. And I remember feeling so distinctly lonely in that because I had friends who were female who were being heard about it, which I think is great and important. So I am not saying that that shouldn't happen, but I remember during that time thinking like, wow, being a, and keep in mind, I don't have a lot to complain about. I'm a straight white man in America. So I kind of, you know, uh, my list of problems is shorter. (laughs) I have a lot of people, but I just remember feeling such a different type of loneliness. Cause I felt lonely before living with, you know, how many people have schizophrenia really? Yeah. So already it's a pretty small pool. And then when you right. o- overlaid um, abusive household and you overlaid the types of hallucinations I was having and the other diagnoses, it's a pretty small subset of people, but I never felt quite as lonely as experiencing that as a young adult and feeling like um, I just needed to keep my mouth shut about it, which is really brutal. Um, so I just wanted to say, I feel you on the loneliness. I didn't want to breeze past that. Mm-hmm. And the the clinical side of things, when I started Cope Notes, it was pretty much as far from clinical as you could get. So it when it started out, it was me repurposing SMS marketing software <laughs> and writing <laughs> text messages myself and scheduling them at random, arbitrary times that I chose. Right. So, I mean, this was... MVP, this was pre-MVP, like <laughs> not market ready at all. So over time, we started getting, you know, a little bit of interest from USF Health, which is a university in Tampa that started helping us with, you know, hey, you should have some clinical oversight. And then, hey, maybe you should do a qualitative study. And then we did another one. So we we went from like me working on it on my lunch break at an ad agency. <laughs> to slowly involving people with degrees on their walls to now we're we're about to do uh two quantitative feasibility studies um one is with a uh, university here in Florida and one is with i mean crossing my fingers that they actually followed through with this but it is with that university where if you heard it you'd be like wow for
1: <laughs> real how on earth uh, yeah how'd you pull that one off yeah maybe they're so, you know maybe they're metal fans that's what it is yeah means.
2: so we're <laughs> In answer to your question, we we started out with a total like chip on our shoulder, like this is peers only. And then over yeah. time we've realized peer support is important, but you need that clinical oversight to verify that you're not doing more harm than good. Right. So we've definitely leaned into it over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. No, that's really powerful. And and what's interesting is that, you know, so many entrepreneurs like they scratch their quote unquote own itch like this the kind of the classic like oh I had this problem and I'm going to build mm-hmm. this app and you know typically they're bro apps or <laughs> like I like to say like ah I'm not another bro app right um <laughs> wait, <laughs> because-
2: <laughs> wait give me are you allowed to give me an example or two of a bro I
1: mean app? you know any I can't even think of what one would be you know like any any app like that's uh trying to optimize for some sort of um experience that is just frat boyish i i don't dude i'm (laughs) i'm picturing like so i'm
2: 28 and i don't have a lamborghini yet
1: yeah i should
2: have done the bro app (laughs) (laughs) that's how you can be 26 years old 25 24 in a mansion because you convince some some investors that your bro app was
1: hot so that you just nailed it. Right. So, <laughs> so uh-huh. yeah, they're typically influencer type things. And so and again, not, you know, I just, I kind of jest about it. And the reason I, know, I jest about too. it is, but, <laughs> well, because I, because the thing, the thing about being an entrepreneur that a lot of, a lot of young folk, they don't kind of understand, or at least they don't understand fully is that the probability of success is so low that you do this job because you love it. You love the freedom. I mean, you're like the artist of the business world, to be honest. Like you're the creative, like Hmm. who in their right mind would go off and think, yeah, you know what? I am going to change the status quo. I'm going to (laughs) battle these big billion dollar companies. You know what? People are going to like what I do. Like you're insane. Yeah. You're absolutely insane. And But you're insane in a way that it absolutely has to happen. Just like creativity has to happen. Music, writing, art. I mean, life is worth living because of art and creativity and song. I mean, just like it, it's the it's the the texture of life, right? Like you just can't be a robot with your McMansion and whatever, right? It's like, ah, that's just awful, <laughs> you know? And, and, wow. and, and, and a lot of times, like you'll see, I mean, especially in the entrepreneur community, even when people get success, like, you know, they're making lots of money. They're miserable.
2: Oh, yeah. Because, because I have
1: the,
2: more right? friends like that than like me.
1: Yeah, and I do too, right? And and again, I'm not, you know, money's fine. Like I pay not a problem making money, but the thing that I always try to stress, and the reason I do what I do is and probably the reason why you do what you do is like I am free to create and my time is the most valuable thing I have in my entire life. I like time is so precious. And I, I learned this, of course, losing you know Jane like her time's gone. Like every day I wake up, I'm like today I have another day. Wow. Well, how am I going to spend my day? Yeah. There is no amount of money that's worth that. And I sometimes get, you know, a bit frustrated because of course, you know, I don't want to buy a Lamborghini, but like, I, like the money is required for life. Right. (laughs) But like, when's it enough? Like, you know, and, and, and so I, I just, I just think you're really on to like you're like the tip of the spear on this stuff for mental health. Because I've got uh there's the grief coach thing. I've got another friend that's working on this thing called Caregiven. It's about how to care for your parents during mm. their decline or if they have disease or you know, cancers, or whatever. And you just see this recurring theme of no one is talking about the mental aspect of it. And especially with men, like there's not a lot of folks like you, you know, in which I really, I'm, I'm actually very one honored you talk about it. And two, it's it's just, I'm really impressed that you would talk about these difficult situations because if you don't talk about it, it just buries deep inside you. Right. And yeah. it kind of eats away at you. And so it's, it's just like, you're just a different kind of entrepreneur, <laughs> I mean, you know? And I don't know. I I mean what what's next for Cope Notes? I mean, I know you're going to do like the clinical studies and everything and that's great, but this is I think you're at the you're at the beginning of a movement, honestly.
2: Yeah, and I want to I want to be 100% real and tell listeners how just picture this. Okay, listeners, picture a quarter century of like torment. Like a living waking nightmare, like list a diagnosis, list a type of pain, list a type of interrelational struggle, you name it, financial hardship, whatever, you name it. And then you start a company. So you choose to do the most difficult thing that anyone has ever done in infinity years. And then three years in, you're on a podcast and the host goes, You're at the beginning. And you go, yeah. no freaking way. I'm at the beginning. I'm at the beginning. But dude, the thing is you are right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. It. So the way I picture culture, human culture, is it's kind of like the ocean. You, There are waves for sure. There's like tides come in and out and those are fads and trends and stuff. But if you want to move the ocean... It takes like tectonic plates shifting. It takes just because of the sheer size of the ocean. So if I wanted a wave, in my eyes, a wave or, or a tide is kind of like a bro app. And I look at folks like that and I'm jealous for sure. I'm like, oh, yeah. was, I am. I, I am. <laughs> in and out in no time. That's the way to do it. But when I look at what I want my impact to be on the world, I think I want the ocean to be shaped different because of what I did. Like screw waves, screw tide, screw the shoreline. I want the ocean to be on the other side of the planet. I want, I want future generations to speak and think about their health differently because of something that I did. And if that means that 28 years in is the beginning, I'm in it. So in terms of what's next for Coke notes, our goal, of course, we want to grow and get more users. That's a cop-out answer. What, What we're really thinking about is how do we influence. So think about this. Um, you don't, when you brush your teeth, you don't think to yourself, "Ugh, my breath is so bad and my teeth are so dirty that I have to brush my teeth. I feel so, so ashamed. No, you used to though, that used to be a thing, but culturally we adopted the idea that preventative dental health is culturally acceptable. So my goal for Cope Notes is to make mental health such a normal talking point that you can sit when someone says, who are you? Uh, Tell me five facts about yourself. You can say, I like barbecue. I like riding my bike. I'm diagnosed bipolar one. I used to have really long hair when I was younger, but I cut it all off. And I actually broke my ankle when I was seven because I tried to climb the side of my grandma's house and all of those facts should be weighted equally. We're not there now, but I want cope notes to be one of many things that gets us there.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big idea. Um, (laughs) That's why I say you're at the beginning because, you know, what, what I've seen dealing with my own challenges over grief and sorrow. And of course, you know, my problems I had with with alcohol after jane died um it, it's just so it i don't know how or why all that stuff got like in culture got shifted to the quote unquote closet right cuz you know there's in the Maybe a hundred years ago was a little bit different. Maybe even 70, 80 years ago is a little bit different, but for whatever reason, it, it, all that stuff kind of moved into the closet. And, you know, you know, i talk about being a man and, you know, masculinity and all that, because that's my, my lived experience or whatever. But like, as a man, when you're grieving or when you're coping with something of whatever, it is not culturally appropriate or nowadays to, to like share that because of some sort of weakness, which I could just, I, you know, I knew I can understand that, you know, pre <laughs> losing my wife, mm. but post losing my wife. I'm like, I want to tell everyone one. I want to tell everyone how great she was Two, I want to show, Hey, look, you don't have to be so lonely. We can talk about it. I, I, you know, I, I had problems with alcohol. I had problems with, you know, using pot to sleep. I had, you know, I wanted to walk in front of a bus cuz I was so sad. But then, you know, I found love again. I have a, a fiance. I'm soon to be a, you know, stepfather. Like, I mean, the world is good. Like, grief is part of the human experience. This thing is of life is complex and it's tough and it's hard and you can't, you shouldn't have to go it alone. And I know lots of um, you know, special forces type guys and it's interesting because like a lot of them are very, you know, of course, they're all like, we can kill anyone, you know, whatever, but, <laughs> but I've, but I've also, I've also found some really interesting things about their psyche and it's, it's not the machismo stuff. It's so fascinating because w- what they look at is like, okay, we got this team and we really need mentally need to be there. And that, what that means is we need to like train our guys to not only be ruthless killers, quote unquote, but have enough like emotional intelligence to understand like the dynamics of a situation because things are fluid. I mean, it's the ultimate problem, right? Someone's mm-hmm. trying to kill me and I want to kill them first. You know, it, it, it's just such a fascinating thing. And there's all this psychology behind it. But I, I, I w- what do you think has to happen in order for us to talk more about this? I mean, you and I can talk about it all day. I'm totally comfortable with that. You're totally comfortable with that. But how are we going to make other men, and I say men for a reason, because- I do think that a lot of the problems we have in society are rooted in men and boys not being able to share their feelings in a constructive way so that they can heal and deal with the normal challenges of life.
2: So two things come to mind. Um the first is think about how cultural ideas shift. So do you remember when Um, the, like the standard of beauty was like very curvy, voluptuous. Yeah. Marilyn Monroe
1: type stuff.
2: Yeah. And then it was like rail thin, super hyper skinny, like you can see ribs. And then, I mean, this stuff changes. And it's the same thing, the standard of beauty, that's what we're measuring. but the way we measure it changes. That's true. And I think yeah. when you're when you're talking about masculinity, I don't think we need to do away with the idea of masculinity. I think we need to change the way we measure it
1: mm-hmm.
2: and the way we exemplify it. So when you were saying that some people view sharing and being vulnerable emotionally as weakness, I think, oh, when I think of someone who's weak, when I think of actually, when I think of my weakest moments, I think of me keeping my mouth shut, keeping a stiff upper lip, pretending like nothing's going wrong because I was afraid. I was, I'm not calling anyone else anything, but I'm saying of myself, I was so afraid. But when I spoke up and said what was going on, I felt more masculine and more manly and courageous and like freaking Jeremiah Johnson-esque, like in the wilderness, dude. And here's, here's what I say. I picture someone in a kayak who's going down a river. If you are going down that river, the... You know, you're know, you going with the flow day in, day out. You're not providing any sort of resistance to the river. That does not require strength. What requires strength is turning your kayak around and paddling up the river. Tell me what's more beast. Truly. So yeah. yeah, yeah start yeah, yeah, yeah. measuring masculinity as like, who's the person who told the truth? Who's the person who got up fearless in front of their child, in front of their wife? and told that, hey, I want to ask for your help because I'm bringing a lot of alcohol into the home. I need you to help me when we go grocery shopping. We shouldn't be buying alcohol. If I'm going out at night, I want you to ask me where I'm going. I need you to hold me accountable. For me, that takes way more strength than saying, oh, I just won't talk to anybody about it. That's the easy thing that requires no strength.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's true. I mean, it's the easy way out yet everyone defaults to the easy way. I mean, the discipline to get up every day and try to enjoy the day. Like you got a gift, you have one more day, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. And I think of this every day because again, I know people that don't have a day and, and how, how can I live my like true self if I'm hiding these feelings or more importantly for me, what happened was, I was sort of um, masking the grief and sorrow and I was doing things that were just not healthy and that contributed to a lot of health problems to be honest. And I, I don't know, it, it's, it, 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 you're right. It was, it's a freeing and liberating thing, but the thing that I know happens and because it happened for me and I probably happened for you as well. Cause you just mentioned it. It's like, you're just afraid, Because part of you is like, is someone gonna just reject me? I've got, you know, I'm at a low point right now. If I share these things, they're just not gonna love me. They're not gonna love me who for who I am. And depending on, of course, your your family origin, your family of origin and all these sort of things that you may have, it's a very vulnerable position to be in. And it is absolutely a lot easier just to suck it up.
2: Bro, Um, I have to say this. (laughs) Check, check this out. So rejection. Yeah. I'm going to spoil a lot of people's day or night right now. If your fear is that someone will reject you because you show them who you are, I have bad news for you. People are rejecting you already. Yeah, <laughs> like that's true. 90% of people don't like you. That's just... The truth, and the odds are that they don't like you because you're pretending to be a version of yourself that isn't true. Literally, more people would like you if you were fully yourself. They don't like the facade. Mm. Imagine for a moment, my friends, if I wore a hot dog costume every single day, everywhere I went. And I spoke with a really thick, bad French accent that everybody knew was fake. (laughs) And people would say, I don't really like that guy. And I would go, man, why is everybody rejected? (laughs) Bro, it's because you're being some caricature of a stranger. If you take off the costume and drop the accent, way more people will be able to connect with you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that's a great analogy yeah <laughs> i love it i've never used it.
2: it before i kind of want to keep it in my background. yeah
1: oh you know I'll, I'll probably steal that one from you too but you know i'll give you credit right <laughs> yeah it's true it's really true i it's just i don't know i mean i think you know of course i'm now quote unquote enlightened on all of this because i went through a tragedy and mm-hmm. and a lot of people when they go through a tragedy or something you know it all of a sudden is like, well, I got nothing to lose. I can only go up. Right. And I, I hope, (laughs) I hope, you know, we can change culture enough so that people don't have to go through tragedy to have the realization that there's these, you're human, you've got emotions. You know, I always say that it's okay for a man to get angry at grief it's okay for a woman to cry and show emotion with grief. Mm. But if you swap that, it's a hundred percent unacceptable. Like wow. a woman, a woman can't get angry. Like, and why wouldn't you get angry? Like I'd get angry. Like you're just, I mean, we're so, I don't, I don't know what, I mean, I don't know how it came about. It doesn't matter how actually how it came about. I think the thing is has to move to, you know, a, more of a, of a worldview of like, we're all humans and we all have, you know, needs, wants and needs. And we all have emotions and we all have anger as part of that emotion and sadness and crying and showing being vulnerable. And I think we just have to be kind to each other when people show vulnerability. I mean, and I was on a phone call yesterday where someone said, I said, well, how are you doing today? And she was just like, I'm having a bad day. You know, today was the day someone I love died. And I'm all, whoa, wow. You know, how do you hold space for that? A lot of people would say platitudes. Right. And, and that's, that's fine. Cause you're like not equipped. We're not really equipped to deal with like death and dying and grief and some other things. Um, but just the, that was just such a powerful moment for me. Cause I'm like, wow, I, I, you trusted me enough to say that. And I think that's what I'm trying to figure out how I do. And I, just like one person at a time, like when someone tells you something, you know, awful or shares with you, to really embrace that and to help them, you know, my, my therapist has hold space for it, but it's, it's so powerful. I mean, I just sat there, I just sat there and said, Oh, that's awful. And then let it, you know, like that's such a powerful thing. And I certainly hope that, you know, more people obviously will, you know, use cope notes. In fact, I'm, I'm thinking seriously about getting it from my dad. Mm. Um, because he's going through a tough time right now and, and probably my mom too <laughs> the whole family. Um, but how how does that life experience? how does you you know you're a startup CEO, you're kind of a quote unquote non-technical CEO, which I think is awesome. So how does that all funnel into your band? <laughs> what's the what's the connection? is there one I mean in in the name of the band's prison, which how come you came up with that name? <laughs> It's really cool. Yeah.
2: So, um in terms of how does it funnel? It doesn't. It's like <laughs> picture picture it the other way actually. Like my without touring and and seeing on stage about what I was going through eventually leading to me talking between to- songs on stage about what I was going through eventually led to me speaking and doing public advocacy, which led to me doing peer support groups, which led to me leading and doing trainings and webinars for clinicians, which led to me creating a a peer support group network for hardcore and metal kids, which led to me creating a digital peer support resource called Not A Therapist, which failed in a year because (laughs) I couldn't scale it, which led to me creating Cope Notes, like- Without without being hurt, you know you don't listen to a band called Cannibal Corpse if your life is okay, right? Yeah, like something
1: probably happened. true, <laughs> yeah. Something so, yes. happened, right? Right. So
2: so if you look at my life, looking back, you're like, oh, I see how he got here. But if you look at me as a kid, you're like, oh my lord, what is going to happen to this child? So truly, cope notes wouldn't exist without music. And when I go on tour, like for example. Right now, um, Cope notes one of our first enterprise clients was uh, the foster care system in Iowa. We yeah. work with like foster kids and families, mm-hmm. and we work mm-hmm. like with the counties in the state. Like, I mean, it's like the kind of stuff where you have to put on a collared shirt sometimes. Yeah. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
2: I met the guy David from Youth and Shelter Services at a venue in Des Moines called Woolies that we played and he's a big metalhead and i met this woman who works at Dallas ISD the school district she i met her at Gas Monkey when we played Dallas like there are metal people in positions of power all over and i like literally not yep. only hope notes not exist without metal music and touring but also some of our biggest enterprise accounts like our biggest the accounts that keep our lights on and the 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 accounts that serve hundreds or thousands of of people on a daily basis came from people going hey nice ingested shirt and i'm like oh thanks you like (laughs) like i'm telling you dude i i feel bad for any investor that has approached me and been like oh yeah well we want to invest in cope notes but you, you got to cut out the metal stuff and
1: obviously <laughs> like,
2: don't understand you that clearly like, don't get it yeah that's the that's the only reason why we are where we are like the the photo that forbes chose for our feature said it all forbes chose a picture of me as the header photo of me with no shirt on covered in tattoos and i'm like listen if if this is what the business community wants to highlight because it's new and hip and different, then an investor sure as heck can't tell me that I need to cover up my tattoos and look like a normal person. You know?
1: No. Yeah, I agree. Metal think... is part
2: of the identity.
1: Yeah, and 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 what's interesting is that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, mu- music is just such a powerful tool. I wouldn't say tool. It's just such a powerful feeling. And, and it like invokes so much emotion. And I know that, you know, as a young person, I would go to, you know, hard rock shows, metal shows with buddies and just like the feel of the crowd. And you felt like you belonged, you yeah. know, like, you know how it is, like, you know, I want, you know, it's not, again, I'm a tall white guy with a beard. So like, there's not a lot of bad stuff going on in my life. Although, you know, I did have some bad, went through some bad stuff and, yeah, you know, and but there's plenty of people that are way worse off than me. And that's who I'm trying to help by talking to people like you as well. But the shared community of going to like a metal show. I mean, I mean, I used to go to, we used to go to monsters of rock, right? These massive, huge stadium shows with like, you know, ozzy osbourne and all these guys right ac just just like you know the the kind of precursor to what you do like Mm -hmm. what do you what's your genre like what's your genre i just say metal metal keep it simple (laughs) so i mean metal is just this force because again like like punk before it it's like we're just a bunch of knucklehead you know (laughs) kind of misfits but gosh when you find your community which is again this community thing is is really what saved me, to be honest, having a sense of community where people get you and they're like, you have a shared like thing that you just all love. I mean, I see why people go to like Comic-Con. I see why people dress up oh, yeah. and do all that stuff. I see why, you know, people are online, just craving like on even online gaming, like they just crave that. And so as like, you know you're when you tour like you know bringing the word out about how your your community of metalheads who have most likely the same types of challenges that everyone else has and in your in your you know sometimes okay you're going to a metal show because maybe it's an escape for you but you found your community does is does does that reflect in the songs that you guys write and sing or what, what sort of I've only listened to a couple of songs, so I'm not mm-hmm. like totally up on, <laughs> on your on your body of work. But how, how is that how's that process been influenced by your life experience?
2: All of our so I write all the lyrics. I'm the vocalist for those who don't know. And um, I'm a big writer. So I love putting pen to paper and trying to give shape to a thought. And all of our music is written from from personal experience so some of our songs outline hallucinations that i had uh through schizophrenia some outline um grief and loss of course some outline uh overcoming suicidal thoughts or experiencing abuse uh staying sober struggling with faith i mean you name it and it's so funny like kids so we get so much crap in the metal community because we're so wholesome. Like we sound really heavy. But then, <laughs> like when, whenever you see uh, the other bands that we would tour with and make fun of us, cause we, we tour with bands that like are burning Bibles on stage and stuff. <laughs> they're, they're like all covered in blood and everything. And then, they'll see like a kid pick another kid up in the pit and they're like, that's a prison fan, isn't it? Shut up. But also you're right. Yeah. Like the kids who are hugging other kids. Yeah. And like helping each other up and, and starting up conversations with strangers that shows like we've gotten thank you letters from fans that have met their new lifelong friend in a comment thread about a prison song. Yeah. Like where they become, they do Thanksgiving at each other's houses now and they fly across the country to see each other and they bonded over the lyrics, over the message of this music. And I, I think if you want to go somewhere and find a high concentration of people looking for an opportunity to be vulnerable about what they're feeling, go to a hardcore or a metal show because those kids are ready. That's yeah. why they're there.
1: Yeah, uh, totally. <sighs> That's just so that's so profound, man. I mean, it's this community thing that we're so lacking right now with even with COVID and I mean even you know, like we've had this problem for a while, you know I mean men, again, I'm harping on men. <laughs> men's <laughs> community of support and buddies and all those sort of things um, not not as strong as let's say women who naturally form these communities. And again, of course there's, I'm being, you know, generalized, but again, when you, when you look at the general state of affairs, there's, you know, big things that we have to solve for women. And then there's big things we have to solve for men. And a lot of the, honestly, a lot of the problems of the me too and, you know, what what people call toxic masculinity and all these sort of things are rooted in the community of of men um, or men's lack of community to help foster that um, just natural way to 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 be. I mean, I, I'm part of. I mean, I I do jujitsu, and what's really great about jujitsu it's a you know combat sport, and we're all you know, can't do a lot of it right now, but yeah, <laughs> it's so funny because I, everyone thinks, oh, well, these are just such like Toxic masculinity guys are all like, you know, I'm going to kill people and whatever. And also do, you know, weightlifting and, and you know, kind of stuff like that. But what I've found is like, of course, there's going to be those people, like every community of people have that. Mm-hmm. But generally, if you're in combat sports, um, you don't last long if you're an asshole <laughs> because, yeah. because there's always someone that's going to be bigger and stronger than you. And there's always someone that's going to look to like, that guy's not cool. And mm-hmm. and it's been great because I, I don't know if you've ever done combat sports, but I'm I'm not a violent person by nature, even though like I like to get aggression out, but I generally am very like I really don't want to hurt anyone, right? I'm pretty mm-hmm. timid, quote unquote. But when you do combat sports <laughs> and you someone's trying to choke you out, quickly you realize that I think I should defend myself, or at <laughs> least I should get this guy off my back. Right. And the I started that literally three weeks, started jujitsu three weeks after Jane, Jane died. Mm. And I, what was, what was great about that experience, um, my, one of my friends, Christina, we actually went together to do it and it, it was so, I mean, I had a community around me that was helping me deal with it, but a new community that was very like open especially, you know, most of the guys I I roll mostly with men. So, but it was just so fascinating that this community, like you bring up, they just form around your band and they like look at the lyrics and they can relate to it and they feel comfortable and safe to be like express themselves. That's what a gift, what a gift. I mean, I think more people need to try to foster that.
2: There are so many people right now with prison tattoos, like a <laughs> logo or of our lyrics or something. It's so funny because if I say like, oh yeah, I've been in prison for seven years, or like, oh yeah, my buddy of mine has a prison tattoo. They're like, yikes. <laughs> 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 it's just so funny because they I mean, we even had a manager one time pass on us, um, because he didn't like the name, like prison. It's just so negative. And I'm like, oh, you poor soul. If you were to only give it a chance, if you were to only, you know, my mom is now, my mom will come to our concerts now. And at first it seemed so negative and dark to her. And when she really gave it a chance and and just tried to understand, like, you know, how is this making a positive impact on people? I mean, my mom's a convert. She like, my mom owns a prison t-shirt. Like, come on, dude! My mom sits balcony when we play Tampa. Like, my mom stage dived. <laughs> stage dove. I forced her. I called her up on stage, and I made everybody catch her. Like anyone, anyone from the outside looking in can say, you know, that looks negative. That looks dark. And honestly, I've felt that way a lot with uh, martial arts. Yeah, uh, I did Taekwondo when I was younger. Yeah, and my attitude and the people I interacted with made me think that Taekwondo was a certain way. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, you realize, Hey, maybe it's just a certain dojo. Maybe it's just a certain community. But when you get out of your head, you realize that, you know, maybe the guy with the face tattoo is the nicest guy in the room. And you don't know that because you won't give him a chance.
1: It's so true. It is so true. I mean, I think that's absolutely. Yeah. It's, that's a great place to end i, I i'm speechless <laughs> so johnny man i appreciate your time i appreciate what you're doing you know stay safe keep it up again anything i can do to help is just it's just such a powerful message and i really really want to see it succeed so thanks again
2: thank you for having me i have to shamelessly plug real quick before i hop off It's uh, tradition
1: uh, not a problem
2: um If you want to learn about Cope Notes, go to copenotes.com. We have a podcast. We obviously have subscriptions. Uh, My TED Talk, you can just YouTube Johnny Crowder. Hopefully it'll pop up. I am on social media, uh, at Johnny Crowder loves you on Instagram, because I do. Um, I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn. And then if you are a metal person, look up prison. If you are not a metal person, look up prison. I think you will love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah it's pretty cool. I've, I've listened to a couple of songs, so I'm I'm impressed. Thanks again. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening to the entrepreneur ethos podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter, at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.